The Dead Zoo is the name some famous Dublin wits came up with for the Natural History Museum in the city. The quirky, Victorian-era institution is full of stuffed exotic animals from around the world. A moose, a hippo, a giraffe, a rhinoceros, and a lot more. The Dead Zoo Gang is the name the Sunday World gave the Irish criminals who started buying or stealing rhino horns all over the world. From the high Rockies in Denver, Colorado, to auction rooms in Sydney, Australia, the gang spent more than a decade supplying the illegal trade in rhino horns. With buyers in China and Vietnam willing to spend over €20,000 per kilo, the Dead Zoo gang found a way to go big game hunting without using guns. Written as a Sunday World long read by Eamon Dillon, this is the story of the Dead Zoo Gang and one of the world's most bizarre crime sprees. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. The key members of the Dead Zoo Gang come from a community known as the Rathkeel Rovers. These are nomadic business families and they take their name from the small county Limerick town to which they keep a spiritual link. It's the place where they marry, have christenings and where they bury their dead. Many spend 11 months of the year on the road, travelling all over Europe, buying and selling whatever turns a profit. Some of those are involved in the bogus tarmac trade, ripping off unsuspecting householders who find themselves talked into a bargain that always winds up too good to be true. The tarmac business brings the rogue traders down every highway and byway, hunting for customers and discreet campsites. And it's also provided plenty of opportunity for those with the knowledge and the eye to look out for antiques at bargain prices. The antiques trade has always offered the chance of a quick profit. Classic items will always sell and hold most of their value, but for the small-time trader, it pays well to get into the market ahead of the latest fad. Big game-hunting trophies, where the heads are stuffed and mounted, became trendy for a while, with interior decorators seeking interested curios for their clients' properties. And... There was a sudden spike in the price of rhino head mounts in 2009 and 2010, but it wasn't the designers who were chasing the rhinos. It was the dead zoo gang. Mounted animal heads would have gathered dust for years in private collections, typically in old houses and ageing institutions, and their value was limited while buyers were few and far between. These stuffed heads might struggle to sell as morbid curiosities, but... When demand grew for a certain medicinal ingredient, their value suddenly grew out of all proportion. Thanks to their business connections in China, a number of the Rathkeel traders were quick to spot this new niche in the market and they began bidding for rhino horns at auctions all over the world, sometimes against one another. They also used their antique spotting skills to seek out potential sellers. So it sounds like there's money to be made for them, but there's only one drawback with this lucrative new income stream. Trade in body parts of endangered species is illegal. 
Under the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species, otherwise known as cities, the import and export of items such as rhino horns is against the law in most countries. In this shady underworld market, the Dead Zoo Gang began to do very, very well. Using a Chinese and an English dealer based in the UK, they were richly rewarded for supplying the market. Contacts with Chinese buyers via Portugal and Australia would also later emerge. In January 2010, the involvement of Rathkeelers in the illicit global trade became public knowledge when custom officers made a series of arrests. Three men, all from Rathkeel, were caught as an attempt was made to move eight rhino horns through Shannon Airport. The previous month, two rhino horns had been intercepted at the same airport. The consignment is estimated to have been worth up to half a million euro on the illegal market and for a long time remained one of the biggest such seizures by authorities anywhere in the world. The dead zoo gang left no stone unturned in their search for rhino horns, But in fairness, it wasn't rocket science. There were so many emails and requests seeking rhino head mounts being sent to taxidermists all over the world that in July 2010, the European Taxidermy Federation issued a warning to its members about the illegal trade. But the problem wasn't just confined to Europe. Members of a US-based online taxidermy forum revealed several members had been contacted by people seeking items for hotels or museums. The posts from members also included an email from a John Sullivan seeking a rhino head mount for the opening of a hotel. Badly worded and featuring basic spelling mistakes, the email gives a hint of the cajoling high-pressure approach to business. One such email read, Hi, this is John Sullivan here from Ireland. I'm having a grand theme opening of an African scene here in my hotel, Kerry, Ireland. Scene spelt S-E-E-N. The thing is, I'm having great, G-R-A-T-E, trouble in locating a real rhino head or horn in Ireland and a local taxidermy told me to email you. On the off chance that you might be able to locate this item for me or refer some person or company or even auction that might have one for sale. It has to be the real thing and not a fibreglass reproduction. It would be very much appreciated if you could get back to me with good news within a week or two as the grand opening will be on the 4th of September 2010 and we really need this item. During 2010, a man based in Commerce City, Colorado received such an email from John Sullivan in Ireland. Ignoring the warnings from the taxidermy world, he made contact with the Irish buyers who were keen to get the deal done. The man, however was an informant for the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, which took over communications to lure the buyers into a sting operation. Special Agent Curtis Graves emailed John Sullivan that he could do even better and secure four rhino horns. Sullivan was clearly aware it was illegal to trade in rhino horns, but he was confident in his emails that there would be no problem smuggling them out of the US. We never loses a horn to customs. We have so many contacts and people paid off that we can bring nearly anything we want out of any country and into Europe, he stated with confidence. On November 13th, 2010, Richard Kerry O'Brien Jr. and his brother-in-law, Michael Hegarty, turned up in Commerce City to complete the deal and hand over the cash. 
O'Brien told the undercover agent he was a cousin of a John Sullivan who'd sent the emails looking to buy the rhino horns. And he said he'd be able to hide the items in a consignment of furniture being shipped to the UK. Listen, he said, we got furniture going back to England every couple of weeks. We can put it between the chest of drawers or something like that. They handed over 12,850 in euro and went back to their rental car, no doubt delighted at the prospect of tripling or even quadrupling their money. But their good mood quickly turned sour when the federal agents sprang their trap, arresting both men and taking back the four black rhino horns. A search of the rental car turned up the passports, luggage, a chest of drawers, four large packing boxes and shrink wrap that agents believed was intended to pack the horns. Held in custody, the pair were indicted by a grand jury in Colorado on the 29th of November and brought to court in Denver for pre-trial hearings. O'Brien and Hegarty, along with the mysterious John Sullivan, were all indicted for smuggling. Released on bail, the duo were electronically tagged and told to stay at an address supplied to the court. It was a tough time for the two Rathkeelers, and especially for Hegarty, who was forced to remain in the US over Christmas while his family was being targeted by extortionists back home. At one point, a pipe bomb was used in one attack on his mother's home in Ballywilliam, just one of a series of attacks against different Rathkeel families who'd returned to Ireland for the festive season that year. An attempt was made to use the attack as a reason to allow Hegarty to return to Ireland, but there was no budging on the bail conditions in the Colorado courts. In April 2011, lawyers for the Irishmen tried to have the case dismissed on technical grounds, claiming that the entire prosecution was based on an accusation of smuggling, which hadn't actually occurred. The platform on which this prosecution is built is a platform that shouldn't exist, said their defence attorney. Prosecutors argued that O'Brien and Hegarty had talked about their plans to smuggle the rhino horns back to Ireland. It was clear that their intent was to purchase rhinoceros horns and to smuggle them out of the United States illegally, said Assistant US Attorney Linda McMahon. Their defence argument was ruled against by Judge Wiley Daniel and in May the pair decided to face the music. Both pleaded guilty to the charges in the hope that they would escape with a fine. Richard Kerry O'Brien Sr., one of Rathkeel's wealthiest and best-known traders, flew over to the States to use whatever influence he could to see his son and his son-in-law escape any more jail time. But Judge Daniel wanted to make a point to others who may have been contemplating getting involved in the ever more lucrative rhino horn trade. He ordered the cash, worth $17,000, to be forfeited and sentenced both men to six months in jail. The two men and the handful of supporters who'd made the trek to Colorado were shocked, to say the least, by the jail sentence. The agents who made the case, on the other hand, were delighted with the result of their hard work. The illegal tracking in rhinoceros horns fuels the dangerous poaching situations we see in Africa, said Steve Oberholzer, special agent in charge for the US Fish and Wildlife Service, in a statement. That poaching has contributed to most species of rhino being listed as endangered. We will continue to pursue investigations into the unlawful tracking in imperiled wildlife and we're pleased that these men were held accountable for their crimes. 
we do hope these sentences serve as a deterrent to others involved in this unlawful trade. US Attorney John Walsh also expressed the view that the prison sentences meant that the United States took its responsibilities under cities seriously. The world does not have an infinite supply of wildlife like the rhinoceros at issue in this case, he said. The prison term, in this case for trading in rhino horns, underscores the fact that we here in the United States are resolved to do our part to protect the shared worldwide inheritance of these magnificent animals. Richard Kerry O'Brien Jr. has a habit of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. He got arrested in the US just as international clamour was growing about the need to clamp down on the trade in ivory and rhino horns. The case against him and Hegarty was prosecuted under a new law from the Patriot Act, which the prosecutors for Fish and Wildlife Service were determined to get right. But back when he was just 19, young Kerry also suffered from a backlash, this time against the tobacco smugglers harassing truckers in Belgium as they stopped off near ferry ports that would bring them to Britain. A restaurant owner, fed up with his business being driven away, complained to the police who then launched an operation to catch the tobacco bandits in action. Kerry Jr. was one of four arrested and later convicted of being part of an organised crime gang and sentenced to two years in jail. His uncle-in-law, Daniel Turkey O'Brien, who would later emerge as another member of the Dead Zoo Gang, was also jailed as part of the same case in Belgium. While O'Brien and Hegarty had been kicking their electronically tagged heels in Denver, there were others doing their best to break into this new and lucrative business. All through 2010, the number of reported thefts and burglaries targeting antique rhino horns slowly began to increase as it became more difficult to source rhino horns and artefacts. Many of the antique horns on the market had already been snapped up and legitimate traders were becoming wary that they were being targeted by criminals. By early 2011, the thefts had become an epidemic. In response, the UK banned the sale of antique rhino heads. Just days after the ban was announced in February of that year, Sorders auctioneers in Sussex suffered a break-in. Despite the rhino artefacts being kept under lock and key, not to mention the -the round-the-clock presence of security guards, burglars successfully broke into the premises. The raid came after the firm posted details of the mounted rhino head on the internet. The thieves had forced open doors, grabbed the trophy which had been bolted to a wall and made their escape across a field. The black rhino head was valued at £50,000 as an antique, but worth as much as £200,000 to the illicit Chinese medicine market. Following the arrests of O'Brien and Hegarty in Colorado, as well as the seizures at Shannon, the chief suspects behind the sudden spike in rhino-related burglaries were members of the Rathkeel traders. By this stage, the canny operators had already sewn up the market, buying rhino trophies before anyone else had even realised their value on the black market. And it wasn't just rhino heads that were the focus of the Rathkeelers. Ornamental dagger handles and wine goblets were also fashioned from rhino horns and therefore just as valuable. Suddenly, break-ins were happening all across Europe. In March 2011, the Natural History Museum of Rouen in France was targeted. 
then, two 18th century horns were stolen from the Museum of Science at the University of Cumbra in Portugal. By now, the museum curators were aware that an Irish gang were the main suspects behind what, on the face of it, appeared to be a series of bizarre thefts. Early one morning in May, burglars broke into the educational museum in the small English country town of Haslemere and stole a mounted rhino head. It was the only artefact targeted by the thieves, most likely acting on the orders from the dead zoo gang. The next month, there were a series of thefts in Germany. First, six rhino horns were stolen from Hamburg Zoology Museum. In the wake of that theft, staff at Bamberg Nature Museum discovered that a rhino exhibit had gone missing. It was found that a glass case had been broken and the rhino horn removed. In the next incident, two men bought tickets and walked into a museum in Gifhorn where they broke two horns off rhino head trophies and ran away. It was a crude but effective plundering of German museums that could have generated as much as €2 million for the criminals behind it. Another three specimens were taken from La Specola Museum at the University of Florence. It's thought that a thief hid in a courtyard near the museum and after closing time forced the front door and made their escape out the back. In Liège, Belgium, two would-be thieves subdued security guards with tear gas. One of the robbers managed to tear the horn off the trophy head, but police were able to respond quickly and the two men were arrested at a roadblock. They claimed they'd been promised €3,000 for the theft and were to leave the horn at a pre-arranged dead drop in Holland. At this stage, the Natural History Museum in Ireland still had rhino exhibits on display. Located next to government buildings in Dublin, with its attendant police and army security, any plans of a raid may have been shelved. A notice from Europol had been sent out to police forces around Europe warning that the gang's operation and a local crime prevention officer had called to the museum. Nigel Monaghan, keeper at the Natural History Museum, said they were aware of the spate of thefts at museums in Europe. All museums are aware that rhino horns have increased in value, but it only has a high value in East Asia, he said at the time, warning that it would have been standard practice to preserve rhino horns using a variety of chemicals, including arsenic. It's been proven they're of absolutely no medical value whatsoever, he added. Not long afterwards, the museum took the rhino exhibits off public display amid fears that copycat criminals or even armed raiders could endanger the safety of visitors. The following month, June 2011, the Rhino Gang struck again in Belgium. This time the thieves were successful, snatching a stuffed head from a museum in Brussels, reaching their getaway car as security guards chased them on foot. On July 7th, Europol issued a public statement in which members of the Rathkeel Rovers were designated a, an organised crime group. The international media took an interest in the Europol statement, which described the gang as being active across Europe, South America, Australia, China and the United States. According to Europol, members of the same gang were also involved in drug trafficking, the sale of counterfeit products and money laundering. 
Europol's spokesperson, Soren Pedersen, admitted other criminal groups might have been involved. We can't say that every rhino horn theft from now on or earlier can be linked to these people, he said. I think others have also realised how valuable these horns are. But it seems that this Irish gang has been very good at identifying rhino horns all over Europe. So far, these cases have mainly occurred in Central and Northern Europe. The Rathkeelers had gone from being able to cooperate quietly under the radar to being listed as one of Europe's organised crime gangs. Sources suggest that a small number of individuals had made millions selling rhino horns via middlemen. Those late to the game had to resort to smash and grabs with all the extra risks and unwanted publicity such exploits entailed. Yet still... The thefts continued. A rhino head was taken from a natural history museum in Blois, in France, dragged along the floor and loaded into a vehicle. The theft, in July 2011, was discovered when staff arrived the following morning. Three more were stolen from a Czech castle during a nightly tour, prompting publicity in a country where it is thought hundreds of such trophies exist thanks to the 19th century Czech aristocracy's enthusiasm for big game hunting. However, another raid in the Czech Republic netted just a replica horn, which was becoming a common security precaution among museums. In just six months, more than 30 burglaries and robberies targeting rhino horns had been reported across Europe. Despite the publicity and the extra security precautions, there was no let-up in the demand for rhino horns and people willing to steal them. At Ipswich Museum, a popular rhino exhibit known locally as Rosie was next to fall victim. The thieves ripped the horn off and also took another rhino head exhibit stored on a shelf. The thefts and burglaries went on throughout 2012, though there were a few times when the thieves didn't make a clean getaway. One Irish man... Michael Keeley from Rathkeel, was the subject of extradition proceedings in the Irish High Court during 2012. An officer gave evidence that he had confronted Keeley and told him he'd a warrant from the UK, which alleged that Keeley had been involved in the robbery of a rhino horn from an antiques dealer at Nottingham and Newark, a market town in Nottinghamshire. Keeley told the officer, I know what it's about, I just witnessed the crime. Details from the warrant were heard in court, alleging that the antiques dealer had driven with the rhino horn to a meeting with a number of men at a nearby McDonald's. The horn had been grabbed from him and the group had attempted to drive off in their car. The dealer had wrestled with them through the car window but suffered head injuries and was knocked unconscious. Keeley, who denied his involvement in the theft, was initially released on €15,000 cash bail to await trial on a European arrest warrant. But Keeley consented to his extradition in March 2013, but his request for bail was denied by the court. It was said he had lied about an upcoming medical appointment and was remanded into prison until he surrendered to the UK authorities. Keeley later got three months for his part in the robbery. Also imprisoned over the same violent robbery was Daniel Turkey O'Brien. Although previously arrested in the UK, he was given bail and fled the country. He stayed on the run for over a year before Europol traced him to Germany and Spain, leading to his eventual arrest at Alicante Airport in October 2013. Extradited back to the UK, he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 16 months behind bars. Around the same time, 
Two of the Rathkeel traders who were arrested while trying to smuggle rhino horns through Shannon Airport three years previous finally appeared in court in Ennis. Michael and Jeremiah O'Brien, two brothers both from Rathkeel, admitted at the County Clare Court to importing eight antique horns worth nearly €500,000. It emerged in court that they had flown in from Portugal, but claimed that they had been supplied the antiques by a dealer who had then asked them to carry out work on the horns. It was suggested in court that the antiques were worth £1.5 on the black market for use in Chinese medicine. An antiques expert who gave evidence in the court said that the rhino horns were worth more in weight than gold. The O'Brien brothers' defence lawyer said the two were antique dealers who travelled across Europe and had no previous convictions. It was added that they lived from time to time in caravan parks in France and Germany and that they were not in good circumstances. They were both fined €500 by Judge Patrick Durkin, who described the case as intriguing. The pair were photographed smiling broadly as they left the court. The €500 fine was considerably less punishment than that received by Richard Kerry O'Brien Jr. and Michael Hegarty, who'd spent six months behind bars in Colorado. In April 2013, the Dead Zoo Gang struck again in Ireland. The rhino horns previously removed from public display in Dublin had been stored at the National Museum's Collections Resource Centre in Swords, just north of the city. The large, nondescript warehouse tucked away on the edge of suburbia should have been a safe haven for the exhibits. There was no signage anywhere that would suggest the windowless building's purpose. But someone did know. And on Wednesday, April 17th at 10.40pm, three masked men walked into the building and tied up the lone security guard on duty. They spent an hour searching the facility, described as being the size of two football pitches. Eventually, they made off with four rhino head mounts, each with two horns, estimated to be worth €500,000 on the black market. The security guard, who was not injured, was able to free himself and alerted Gardaí after midnight. The keeper of the Natural History Museum, Nigel Monaghan, described it at the time as a targeted robbery with a specific agenda. No one has ever been convicted of Ireland's biggest horn heist. By now, the Rathkeel Rovers, and more specifically the Dead Zoo Gang, were the target of law enforcement all over the world. Europol had set up Operation Oakleaf to coordinate the response in Europe. In the UK, Operation Griffin was underway and focused intently on some of the most active gang members. Meanwhile, investigators in the United States continued with Operation Crash, which had been launched to crack down on the illegal trade in rhino horns. Another arrest was made in the United States when Michael Slattery was picked up at Newark Airport over his part in a plot to illegally buy and sell rhino artefacts in Texas back in 2010. The son of one of Rathkeel's best-known traders, Michael Laban Slattery, he was well accustomed to travelling back and forth across the Atlantic on business. And he certainly didn't enjoy his three months in custody ahead of his trial, complaining in court about the conditions at the Metropolitan Detention Centre in Brooklyn, where he was detained. An outbreak of disease at the lockup meant that Slattery ended up in solitary as prisoners were quarantined. I nearly went insane inside in the room. I'm not a bad person he told the court. 
At another hearing, he said he was worried about being sexually assaulted. Slattery said an inmate threatened to spin my head off after he accidentally bumped into him. A distraught Slattery added that two other inmates, one an accused killer, argued over who would be his cellmate. The murderer wanted me to sleep with him, he said. There's no way I'm staying with the fella who said he's a murderer. Judge John Gleeson commented that Slattery looked like a nervous wreck, but told him not to worry, that the most he could get would be five years and that he'd still be a young man. Slattery, a cousin of Richard O'Brien Jr., who was jailed in Colorado, pleaded guilty to the charges. The court heard that Slattery had travelled to Texas in 2010 to buy antique rhino horn mounts. Because they were not residents, they hired a homeless man to make the purchase for $18,000 in cash before travelling to New York, where the horn was sold for $80,000. Prosecutors said that the horns were then resold for $108,000 before being shipped out of the country to a buyer in Vietnam. His lawyers filed letters of support from a Limerick priest and a retired Garda who had dealt with the family in the past. There was also a character reference from Lord Vincent Constantine, who lives in Cambridgeshire. He wrote to the court about how he had known the Slattery family for years and found the then 25-year-old Michael Slattery Jr. to be a trustworthy and courteous young man. He added that he was extremely surprised to learn that he'd been arrested and could only think his actions were taken out of stupidity and ignorance as they are totally out of character. But Judge Gleeson took a very different view, saying in court, he's no naive kid. He came here from another country to buy in Texas this rhino mount. The judge's remarks came after several letters from conservation supporters had asked for the maximum sentence to be imposed. Judge Gleeson ordered he serve 14 months, imposed a $10,000 fine and ordered that $50,000 seized be forfeited to the authorities. At that stage, it was alleged that the two other men who were with Michael Slattery Jr. in Texas were his brother, John Slattery, and Patrick Sheridan, both of whom would later be charged and convicted by US authorities, who had really gone to great lengths to bring them to court. In the UK, police officers running Operation Griffin moved in after months of surveillance and evidence gathering. In a series of raids in September 2013, 19 people were arrested. Both the complexity of the police investigation and the almost laughable amateurism of the dead zoo gang would later be revealed in court. Those arrested included Richard O'Brien Sr. and his son Richard Jr., although Richard Sr. did not, in the end, face any prosecution. Whether it was the pressure from the authorities or whether rhino horns had become harder to find, the activities of the dead zoo gang came to a standstill with no more thefts being reported anywhere. The only exception was a final smash and grab, this time at the 18th century County Cork mansion of the Lord of the Dance star Michael Flatley. In January 2014, thieves had broken into his home, Castle Hyde, where they made their way to the house's safari room and immediately cut away the horns of a rhino mount. Disturbed by the burglars, the dancer and former boxing champion gave chase as the thieves ran across the lawns to a waiting car to make good their escape. For a long time, the burglary seemed to have been the last sting in the tail from the dead zoo gang. Later in the year, the criminal trials as a result of Operation Griffin came to an end. Because there had been two separate trials for 14 defendants, reporting restrictions were in place until all proceedings were finished. 
There was little wriggle room for Richard Kerry O'Brien Sr.'s family, which was described as being at the heart of the conspiracy to steal the priceless museum exhibits and rhino horns. Two of O'Brien's sons, John and Kerry, his brother John Cash O'Brien, his brother-in-law Danny Turkey O'Brien and his nephew Richard Sheridan were among the men jailed for the conspiracy to steal £71 million worth of museum artefacts. The antique dealer's mansion in Rathkeel had also been raided by the Criminal Assets Bureau as UK police investigated the gang. Trial judge Murray Creed remarked that there were phone calls to the family home in Rathkeel. It was the home of Richard O'Brien Sr. Operation Griffin was originally launched after the gang's most successful raid in which jade artefacts were stolen from the Fitzwilliam Museum in Cambridge. None of the precious items, which are estimated to be worth £73 million on the open market, have been recovered. While the headlines suggested the Dead Zoo Gang carried out robberies even bigger than the infamous Hatton Garden heist, the trials revealed the gang's chaotic and amateurish approach. Just a couple of weeks, for example, before the Fitzwilliam Museum raid, the gang had targeted another museum in Durham in which a jade bowl and a figurine worth £2 million were stolen. The thieves stashed the valuable artefacts in scrubland, but investigators later discovered the gang were not able to find the hiding place and police were able to retrieve the items later. While in both those cases the smash and grab thieves were caught, police wanted to catch those behind the robberies, the people organising the crimes and hiring the thieves. They were able to trace a series of phone calls between them and the senior members of the Dead Zoo Gang in the UK and Ireland. And it also revealed a pattern of panic with raids often not going to plan. One man, even as he was caught by members of the public and museum staff after stuffing a Ming vase into a rucksack, tried to make a phone call to one of the gang members. Because of the value of the raids and the involvement of an organised crime gang, senior detectives were assigned to Operation Griffin. And using their mobile phone records, the investigators were able to link the men to the conspiracy to rob five separate museums. It also led them to the Dead Zoo Gang's middleman in the UK, Chi Chong Donald Wong, otherwise known as Donald Wong. By June 2012, he was under surveillance and on various occasions was observed with different members of the gang. Wong's trial heard that he submitted modest tax returns but that he lived in a double-fronted three-storey home overlooking Clapham Common in South London. Twice police found him with thousands of pounds of cash stuffed in plastic bags and on one occasion officers assisting Wong after he was injured in an unconnected attempted raid found a green carrier bag and a black pouch containing £68,000 under the passenger seat of a car. In July 2012 he was arrested along with Richard Sheridan in London where police seized £50,000 in cash along with a libation cup made from rhinoceros horn, which Sheridan had acquired the previous May at an auction in Florida. The arrest was an occasion where Operation Griffin and Operation Crash would overlap and come back to haunt Sheridan, a man who had once held himself out as a spokesperson for travellers' rights. Another of the raids which formed part of Operation Griffin was the attempt to take a rhino head from Norwich Castle Museum. It was described in court as a fiasco. 
Four thieves, hired in by the gang, dropped the head, which was heavier than they expected, as they ran out of the museum, pursued by members of the public. They also left behind a car number plate, complete with an incriminating fingerprint. The next raid was equally chaotic. Three more hired thieves posing as customers at an auction house in Lewes in East Sussex in March 2012 jumped over a counter and stole a £20,000 bamboo cup instead of the rhino horn they were meant to take. They too were arrested after members of the public intervened. Following that botched robbery, Detective Superintendent Adrian Green described how their investigations clearly pointed to another group behind the thieves. You start analysing the telephones and that ultimately took us to call a vehicle insurance company that gave us the details of Richard Kerry O'Brien Jr. Information cross-referenced with historical data held by Europol highlighted some potential people, mainly the Kerry O'Briens, Michael Hegarty and Daniel Turkey O'Brien. The trials and convictions of the Dead Zoo Gang attracted worldwide media interest, as well as... British and US media covering the story, there were also TV documentary crews arriving from France to find out about the gang. Richard O'Brien Sr. complained bitterly about being unfairly linked to the crimes. He claimed in an online blog that he had been the victim of discrimination and that his son had been set up by law enforcement. It emerged during the UK trials that the O'Brien family home in Rathkeel had been raided by Gardaí as part of the investigation. A notebook and other paperwork were found which had the name D. Wong and a mobile telephone number and email address. These facts further confirm Donald Wong's links to the O'Brien family, said the Crown Prosecutor in his opening address. Even so, O'Brien Sr. was unhappy about the coverage and complained journalists had not approached him for his side of the story. He maintained that he was an innocent business person who had been a victim of a conspiracy by the Gardaí and the media to link him to a notorious criminal gang. He suffered a high-profile legal defeat when a judge in New York dismissed his 18.5 million libel and emotional distress action over an article that linked him to the Rhinohorn gang. He had sued Bloomberg Businessweek, which he claimed falsely portrayed him as the mastermind behind a multi-million global criminal conspiracy. In 2018, he ended up being the subject of court proceedings by the Criminal Assets Bureau, in which they won a court order for a car they had seized. But when approached about the case, he did not seem predisposed to discuss the matter with the Sunday world. In fact, he was quite irate. Hello. I was looking for Richard, if he's about to any chance. I was looking for uh, Who are you? Richard. I'm Eamon Dennis, my name. Ah! Can I, now, leave, can I leave my card if he wants no, to ring me? No, he don't want to ring you. Right, you look. put him enough in the, in the right, papers. Look, yes, all right. move, move. Right, so what do you want? I just wanted to talk to him about the, the latest card thing now. If he wanted to talk about it. The latest what? After all the rubbish you put on the papers about us. Well, that's what he's accused me of. So if he wants to what? hear his side, should give me numbers there if he wants to give me a ring. Fuck! Now, you fucking bastard. Go, 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 because you don't listen. Go, go. Go off our property now, move it. Get, 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 get. Rathkeel's one-time top traveller trader hadn't turned up in court to stop the cab from selling off his car, despite claiming to have been set up. At the time, he owed an €800,000 tax bill after a Garda investigation in cooperation with Europol. 
The court was told that the case was sent to the sheriff shortly after a notice of final demand was served on Kerry O'Brien the previous April. Of the bill, around €290,000 was in unpaid taxes, plus interests and penalties. Evidence was given that the car was observed by Gardaí at various locations in 2016 and 2017, and at least one occasion it was spotted at his Rathkeel home, while on other dates it was booked on a ferry travelling between Dublin and Hollyhead. Not long afterwards, his nephew Richard Sheridan was extradited to the US after finishing his sentence in the UK. The rhino horn he'd brought in hand luggage from Miami to London to sell to Donald Wong would cost him more time in jail. The last time he'd been in the famous Florida resort city, Sheridan thought he was onto a good thing. He'd paid 57500 for a rhino horn cup when he and Michael Hegarty made the trip from London in May of 2012. At an auction house in Rockingham, North Carolina, lot 463 had caught their eye. Sheridan and Hegarty brought a local resident with them to get around the auction regulations and federal prosecutors said that Sheridan acted as the bidder on behalf of three separate parties, eventually making the winning bid for the Chinese rhinoceros horn Chilong Libation Cup. A couple of days later, from his hotel in Coconut Grove in Miami, Hegarty called Federal Express to have the rhino horn cup delivered to him in Florida. Later that month, he put the cup in his luggage and stepped on a flight to London. In doing so, he broke US federal law by failing to declare its export to the US Fish and Wildlife Service, having failed to apply for the necessary permits. Charged with conspiracy, Sheridan entered a guilty plea and received 14 months. Hegarty was jailed for 18 months in 2017 for his role in the scam after being extradited from Belgium, where he had been arrested following an Interpol red notice. In 2020, the relentless Americans still had someone in their sights. John Slattery, brother of Michael Slattery, who'd made the 2010 trip to Texas. John Slattery had been initially identified as a smuggling suspect, but had since returned to Ireland and changed his name to John Flynn. He was tracked down by investigators and arrested in France, where he got bail before returning to Ireland. John spent nine months in custody in Ireland before the US sought to have him extradited to face trial. Then he was sent back across the Atlantic in May 2020, after the US Marshals sent a private jet to collect him from Dublin. At court in Waco, Texas, he pleaded guilty to rhino horn smuggling and was given a 12-month sentence. Because his time in custody in Ireland had been taken into account, he was deported back to Ireland after three months. Slattery was the last of the suspects from Ireland the US authorities were chasing. It had taken them 10 years to get him. But the message was clear. Rhino horn smuggling in the United States would lead to time in prison. The various police operations appear to have stopped the Dead Zoo gang in its tracks by early 2014. But another court case, this time in France, showed they were still hard at work, even when they knew it could attract a lot of police attention. A hearing in Rennes in 2021 revealed how French police used phone taps and surveillance to nab four Rathkeel rovers involved in a massive 13 million euro rhino horn and elephant ivory smuggling racket. Two men, Tom Green and Richard O'Reilly, were both given prison sentences in their absence at a criminal court in Rennes. Green and O'Reilly are aliases used by the men, who are in fact brothers related to the Kerry O'Brien family, according to our sources. Two other Irishmen named in the court proceedings, 
Edward Gamel, 33, and Daniel McCarthy, 29, were also convicted for their parts and given suspended sentences. Customs fines of up to €200,000 were also imposed on each of the men, and they could face extra time in prison for not paying if arrested in France. The case highlighted how the dead zoo gang were still at work chasing profits, despite its leading figures being jailed in the UK. Tom Green was singled out as the main actor in the plot, which also saw four Franco-Chinese men convicted over the illegal export scheme. He got a three-year sentence despite the public prosecutor calling for a six-year term and referring to Green as a hunter without a rifle. French prosecutors started their investigation after a random motorway traffic inspection by police in Potier in September 2015, which led to the discovery of several elephant tusks and €32,800 cash in a BMW. The occupants of the car, who claimed they were antique dealers, were four Irish men with addresses in the UK and Ireland. The following May, investigators from the National Judicial Customs Service seized 14 raw ivory tusks of African origin and two carved tusks without any document as to their legal origin at a warehouse in Seine-Saint-Denis, North Paris. On November 15, 2016, in a room of the B&B Hotel in Creel near Paris, Green and O'Reilly were arrested again with a rhinoceros horn weighing 14.7 kilograms. The seizure took place close to a Chinese restaurant, whose manager is one of the other convicted men. All four Irish men were convicted in their absence and warrants issued for the arrests of Green and O'Reilly. The trial in Rennes highlighted how the Irish men had forged close links with business people based on the continent, with direct links to the Chinese and Vietnamese market. French police also discovered that ivory and rhino horn were being turned into powder and flakes on French soil before being exported to Vietnam and China. A Chinese business person, David Ta, 51, was given two years for his part in exporting the tusks and horns. Photos in Mr Ta's phone had enabled investigators to count 62 husks that had passed through his company between November 2015 and April 2016. Three other Chinese men were also convicted for their parts in the smuggling ring, including one described as Green's biggest customer. Charlotte Nyhert, president of the environmental group Robin Desbois, who were a civil party in the case, said the judgment will have a deterrent and educational effect on those involved in wildlife trafficking. She expressed regret that an auction house involved in the sale of the goods had not been prosecuted as well. The auction house had sold 600 kilograms of raw ivory to one of the convicts without the necessary guarantees to prevent their illegal export. Its director and an associate even made an all-expenses-paid trip to Vietnam with one of the convicts, allegedly to carry out expert appraisals. The poaching of rhino horns in Africa hit a peak in 2015 at 1,349, according to the Save the Rhino organisation. The crisis sparked by the demand from China and Vietnam began in 2008. The numbers of animals being poached has dropped since the peak, but remains higher than it was pre-2008. Obviously, the demand still exists, and if the opportunity arises, the dead zoo gang will not miss their chance. They remain involved in cigarette smuggling via Luxembourg and Belgium. And one thing has changed for sure. According to our sources, they don't use mobile phones anymore.
The Story of the Dead Zoo Gang was written by Eamon Dillon, produced by Ian Mullaney and read by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.